Well, Bella Church, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Bonfire with the Sages, uh, the Sages of Scripture in particular. And if you haven't been with us, the reason why I'm wearing this shirt, I've shared the last number of weeks, this shirt is older than I am. It's actually a gift that was given to me uh, over a decade and a half ago by my grandfather. Uh, I think it's about uh, uh, late 70s or so, early 70s. And this shirt reminds me of the wisdom of my mom's dad, my grandfather, Jack. And I could sit down and tell you story after story of his life and the wisdom that he shared with me. But I'm not gonna do that today because I want to remind all of us that this shirt also has another meaning uh, and it connects into our sermon series. Uh, kind of a doorway into some of the most famous people in scripture because this shirt is the shirt that I love to wear around bonfires. You know, bonfires are altogether different than most other environments in life. There's something about bonfires, for me at least, that are very uh, relational, very intimate, very casual. Uh, there's this level ground that we can connect with other people. It seems like time begins to not matter as the, the wood burns down and we add more logs to the fire. It's very different than, you know, a quick little lunch meeting, uh, very different than a video conference call, very different than, you know, having someone teach you from an ivory tower. There's something that happens, whether in the backyard of someone around a fire pit or at a campsite around the fire where there's a connection that happens. And so that image, and I hope that as you, you know, see this old Pendleton wool shirt, it reminds you of this perspective, this mindset that I'm inviting all of us to enter into as we encounter the lives of these great sages of the faith. People like Abraham, people like Joseph, people today that we will discover like Moses. And in the many weeks to come, as we hear about Esther and Martha and David and Peter and so on, that it would be this image for us that what if we had the opportunity? And I just want you to imagine this. What if we had the opportunity to sit down around a bonfire with some of these characters from Scripture? Not that we would necessarily go back in time, you know, and sit with them in the wilderness in Midian, but what would it be like, perhaps, in the new heavens and new earth? when Jesus come again and we're all in God's presence, that we would then sit around with the full perspective of history, asking questions to these great heroes of the faith. Imagine what that would be like. And personally, I've loved this image because, you know, so often, especially growing up, going to church and, you know, even going to, to Catholic middle school and high school, when I, when I heard about these people, I, I almost put them up onto this, this pedestal that was so far removed from my everyday life that I never could relate to Abraham. I could never relate to Esther. I could never relate to Moses because they just seemed like these, like superheroes of Scripture. But as I've grown up, as I've spent time actually reading scripture, as you see their lives, they, they make mistakes. There's highs, there's lows, there's fears, there's doubts. 
There's confusion. There's a humanness. And yet God moves and works powerfully in the midst of the human experience, especially for those who put their faith and trust in God. And so this, this bonfire image immediately changes the posture in which I approach these characters. And my hope is that as you catch this image, that it wouldn't just be something kind of, you know, that just exists in this sermon series, but maybe in your time of prayer, maybe even in your time of reading scripture, that you would, you know, imagine yourself around a bonfire with the disciples, asking them questions. And to not do it with the Bible closed and just kind of let your imagination go wild, but actually that you would pray that you would be led by the Spirit of God, that actually as you read Scripture, that, that your imagination would line up with Scripture, with which that has already been revealed through God's Word. But perhaps there would be a greater depth in your Scripture reading, a, a greater depth and connection in your prayer life, and perhaps there would be some details that formerly you brushed right path, past just reading through Scripture that you would discover. You know, if you, if you read Scripture and just look for principles to kind of, you know, harvest or mine out of Scripture to apply to your life, we can miss the personal connection, not just with the characters in Scripture, but we can miss the connection to the person whom all of Scripture points to, and that's Jesus. You know, I love in the gospel according to John, Jesus actually says uh, about himself, he says to, uh, you know, a group of Pharisees, this is, you know, you, you search the scriptures hoping that in them, in these words, you will find eternal life, but you've missed the fact that they all point to me. This invitation, this sermon series is an invitation to a relationship with the living word, Jesus Christ whom all these historical characters recorded in Scripture, they all point to. And my hope is that as we jump around the bonfire and the imagination of our minds, as today we have a conversation with Moses, guided by God's Word, that we would not only connect to Moses, but through Moses to Jesus, our great prophet, our Redeemer, our Savior, and our King. I want to pray for us before we dive in. And as we do so, let's just open up our hearts to what God has for us today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you invite us to come. You invite us to come as we are. To not feel like we have to come to this bonfire with all the answers, nor do we have to come to this bonfire, to this moment, to this sermon uh, with just a smile on our face, but that we would bring our weak into this moment. We would bring our, our fears, our anxieties, you know, the highs and lows, the joys, the celebrations of this week, that we would bring all of it and that we would be welcome at your bonfire. Would you be the host, Jesus? And through the power of the Spirit, would you guide our time? In Jesus' name, we pray. We say together, amen. All right, so again, this invitation, and I know for some of us, it's a stretch to imagine this. We're used to, you know, a particular way of preaching. And yet, what a great reminder that when Jesus shared the gospel truth, he told stories. 
And so again, my hope and my intent here is that we would uh, draw closer to Jesus, that we would dive into scripture, but to say it this way, we'd enter through a different environment, led by the spirit to this bonfire. I, I want you to know you've got front row seats. You don't have to sit on the back row. You're not on the outside looking in. Just pull up a chair. Here we are in our minds just around this bonfire, the warmth of it all, the coziness of it all, and perhaps your favorite drink in your hand. And immediately we hear someone talking and it's Moses and he's recounting his life story and we're just listening in. And as you hear Moses share this story, my prayer is that you would catch some details that perhaps you've overlooked before. We hear Moses and, and he's reminding all of us that, that the reason why the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt is because Pharaoh had forgotten who Joseph was. Remember Joseph? We talked about Joseph. We, we sat around the bonfire with Joseph previously in the sermon series. Joseph was the one whom Pharaoh had put in charge of all of Egypt. He was the great prime minister over all of Egypt. And uh, through God guiding him in the interpretation of dreams for Pharaoh, he was able to not only save Egypt, but he was able to save his family, his 11 brothers. And together they became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Again, their father was Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And as time went on, in the succession of pharaohs, one after another, what happened is what often happens in humanity is we forget. And Moses is sharing with us that because Pharaoh had forgotten the faithfulness and how God had used Joseph to save Egypt, the current Pharaoh saw how numerous the Israelites were you know, those brothers had kids, daughters and sons that, and then it just grew and grew and grew. And they were so numerous that Pharaoh felt threatened and they were enslaved for 430 years. They'd experienced slavery. So not only had Pharaoh forgotten about Joseph, the whole nation of Israel had forgotten what freedom was. And as Moses is telling his life story, he tells us that he was born at a time where the current Pharaoh wanted uh, to, to wipe out more and more of the Hebrew men, the Hebrew population. And there was a decree that the firstborn child would be killed. And Moses tells us the story of God's providence, God's sovereignty, God's you know, provision that a woman in the house of Pharaoh was able to rescue Moses, whom had been placed into this little, little basket and placed in the Nile. And Moses tells the story of how he is brought into Pharaoh's household, how he, though a Hebrew man, grows up in the Egyptian culture. He tells us the story of how, though he grows up in his Egyptian, he still had a fondness and a love for his people, the Hebrews. And he tells us the story that when he was 40 years old, he actually sees uh, the, the abuse of a Hebrew man at the hands of, a, of an Egyptian. And Moses tells us that he steps in and he takes justice into his own hands and he kills the Egyptian and he buries him in the sand to protect his Hebrew brethren. 
Moses tells us of then what it was like to then leave that entire life behind. That life of comfort, that life of provision, that life of being in the royal household. Uh, he, he, he tells us of what it was like to then flee out into the wilderness at the age of 40, out into the desert. He goes to Midian. He tells us the story of how he sees a, a group of shepherds, a taunting women, and he rescues one of them who happens to be Jethro's daughter. He tells us the story of how he ends up marrying her. He, he tells us how 40 years go by. He tells us how now he's 80 years old. I forget this. You know, as I'm hearing Moses tell the story, he's 80 years old, 40 years removed from Egypt. When he's out in the wilderness and he's walking, all of a sudden he sees, what is that? A burning bush. And Moses tells us, just how crazy that was to see a bush that was on fire that wasn't consumed. How Moses is telling us that that is a moment that is seared into his memory. A moment that was so different, so distinct from anything that he had previously experienced that, that he'll never forget that, that it almost feels like yesterday. And Moses tells us how he he says to himself, I have to stop and I have to say, I just can't keep on going. And he tells us that in that moment, he hears a voice from the Lord that says, Moses, Moses. It is I, the Lord. And Moses tells us what it was like to hear his name spoken, not just once, but his name spoken twice, by whom he would come to discover is the maker of heaven and earth, the king of kings, the Lord over all salvation. Moses told us what it was like to be spoken to first and to respond to that voice of God. And as he tells us the story of how things begin to unravel, how God speaks to Moses and says, I, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I've seen the suffering. I've, I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want to use you to set them free. I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. And you hear Moses recount the back and forth conversation that he has with God. And I think in that moment, oh, I've got to ask Moses a question, but he continues on. He tells us how he eventually he goes to, to Pharaoh with his brother Aaron. He tells us the story of how God uses Moses, uses Aaron, and through 10 different signs and wonders, plagues as it were, ultimately came to a place where the hardness of heart of Pharaoh was finally softened enough just for a moment that the nation of Israel was set free. Moses goes on to tell us and how they, they pack up and they leave hundreds of thousands of men and women and children, too many to count, are, are then leaving Egypt. They're going to the wilderness to, to worship God in the wilderness. And as they go, they get to the Red Sea and Moses tells us this. And I gotta tell you, as I'm listening to this story, I'm thinking of Charlton Heston. That's what I can picture. But now I see him and he's not, it's, this is Moses telling us the story. And he shares with us 
this remarkable moment in which he has his back against the sea, pressed in from the other side by the chariots, where he is just trusting God and God uses him to perform a miracle where the Red Sea is part of the nation of Israel, goes through to the other side and they now get to the other side and they experience the freedom in worshiping God. And Moses tells us this. He says, you know, in that moment we were spiritually free even though we were physically in the wilderness. And that catches me. I, I, I take that in. He says in that moment, in the wilderness, we are not yet to the promised land. We worship. We praise. In a sense, we had reached our spiritual destination, even though the physical journey was still beyond. Moses then shares with us of then what it was like, knowing that it was only an 11-day journey to get to the promised land, of what it was like to then have those days turn into months. Not because they were physically lost, but because they were spiritually lost. He, he shares with us what it was like as the leader of this group of people, this, this burgeoning nation of Israel, to have them forget that God had rescued them, that they would complain to God, and that there would be all these things that would happen that would eventually lead them to Mount Sinai. As they followed God in this uh, a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, that they would come to this place of Mount Sinai, that they were given their identity, that they were given their purpose, that they were given their Ten Commandments. And it's at this moment that I, that I, that I stop Moses and I, I want to go back. I logged the question in my mind. I didn't want to interrupt him, but I, I logged it. And I, and I said to, to Moses, I stopped him right there and I said, Moses, I got the same question that I want to ask of you, that I asked Joseph, that I asked Abraham. First is this, what did God ask you to take up? And Moses, he answers that question. We hear him, we hear his response. And he says, the thing that God asked me to take up was enabling God to speak through me. And I think, what? And he says, yeah. He says, if you were to go back and if you were to, to recount in Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, the back and forth exchange that I have with God, this is Moses speaking. When he tells me to go to Pharaoh, to tell him to let my people go so that they could worship me in the wilderness, you know what the first thing I say is? I am slow of speech. He's not going to listen to me. He's not going to, and in that moment, God says this. I, the Lord, give mortals the ability to speak. And Moses says this. He says, I will never forget God saying to me, I will be your mouth and I will speak through you. And in that moment, God was asking me to, to take up to pick up, to do this very thing, to enable God to speak through me. And in that moment, I, I cut him off and I, I said, well, what did, what did he ask you to lay down? What was the cost to pick that up, to ask God to speak through you? And Moses says this, he says, I was terrible at this, but what he asked me to lay down was my fear. 
my fear that my weaknesses would be stronger than God's ability to speak through me. And Moses goes on, he says, in fact, right after God says to me, I will be your mouth and I will speak through you to Pharaoh. You know what my response is? You know what Moses says my response was? Find somebody else. And in that moment, I was unwilling to pick up the thing that God asked me to pick up, that God would speak through me. Because in that moment, I was unwilling to lay down my fear that my weaknesses were somehow going to be greater than God's ability to speak through me. And in that moment, I didn't do the thing that God asked me to do. And I said, pick someone else. And I look back on that moment, and on one hand, I'm grieved that I didn't step out in faith. I'm grieved that I didn't step out in obedience, but I'm also thankful of the grace of God, who is a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and thousandth chances. Because in that moment, he didn't brush me aside. He didn't cast me away. He didn't say, well, you're useless to me. You know what God did in that moment? We hear Moses say around this bonfire. God said, okay, then I'm gonna choose your brother. And it's not him alone. It's gonna be you and your brother because he is eloquent and together you are going to go to Pharaoh. But Moses says this, he says, but you know what happens next? God comes to me. He doesn't come to Aaron. He comes to me and says, this is what I want you to say to Pharaoh. And time and time again, God would come to me, Moses, and say, this is what I want you to say to Pharaoh. And there was a second and a third and many, many chances in which God says, here's what I'm asking you to take up. To pick up this choice to allow God to speak through me, Moses says. And in those moments, in order to do that, I had to lay down my fear that my weaknesses were somehow going to be greater than God's ability to do it through me. And I got to tell you, in that whole back and forth with Pharaoh, over that whole time, there were moments when I stepped forward and I stepped out in faith and I let God speak through me. I laid down the fear and God, despite my weaknesses and through my weaknesses, enabled me to speak boldly to Pharaoh. But then there were also moments that I was filled with so much fear that I didn't speak. And in those moments, God, in God's grace, spoke through my brother Aaron. And so there's these two truths that God was going to somehow accomplish what God wanted to accomplish, whether through me or through Aaron. But I experienced the joy and the blessing of being an instrument of God when I stepped out in faith and I allowed God to speak through me and I laid down my fear. And yet, though I missed out on those times where I was fearful, God still did it through Aaron. And as we moved forward through that journey, there was this constant experience, not just in the interaction with Pharaoh, but as we moved out into the wilderness, as we got to Mount Sinai, there were moments in which whenever I stepped out and I allowed God to speak through me, it began to shape me. This is what we hear Moses saying. It shaped me in such a way 
that it emboldened me, not in my own strength, but emboldened me that when I step out and do the thing that God calls me to do, God equips me for it. And I began to see this track record played out over weeks, over months, over years, that when I stepped out and allowed God to use me, I had front row seats to what miraculous thing that God wanted to do. And there was a boldness that filled up my life. And you might hear my story, we hear Moses saying, and think that I was always a person that was ready to be used by God, but that's not the case. I had steps forward, I had steps backward. And yet through that journey of choosing to allow God to use me, I drew closer in my relationship with God. And we hear Moses now recount to all of the group all of us around the bonfire, what it was like to go up to Mount Sinai and as it says in scripture, to speak to God as one would speak to a friend. Moses is sharing with us the intimacy of his relationship with the almighty and holy God. And as he shares this with us, he's quick to point out that that, that wasn't always there that it was in response to God first speaking to him that he stepped out and he grew that relationship and over time that there was a boldness. And how necessary it was, Moses said, when Aaron began to fell away and stopped allowing himself to be used by God to speak to the people. And as Moses began to share, we get to another familiar part of the Exodus story. He shares with us how he comes down from Mount Sinai. He has the Ten Commandments, uh, an invitation that God gave the nation of Israel to live into a certain way of life that would cause not only their flourishing, but the flourishing of others. And as he comes down off that mountain, Moses is sharing with us that, that Aaron has now been kind of led astray. And now he is leading the nation of Israel in Moses' absence to build a golden calf. And how now the tables are turned. And so in the past, Moses wasn't being used by God or was unwilling to be used by God to speak to the nation of Israel. Now here, Aaron was leading the nation astray. And Moses, because he had grown his faith, grown his relationship, had been used by God to speak on behalf of God to the people, speaks with authority in such a way that was light years of a difference from those early days speaking before Pharaoh. And it ends up saving the nation of Israel. And Moses begins to tell more and more of the story as they are out in the wilderness becoming a people formed for God's purposes. And in that moment, I, I stop him and I say, okay, Moses, Moses, was it worth it? And Moses says, was it worth it? Absolutely, it was worth it. It was one of the hardest things I could ever imagine in my life. Being obedient to God's call on my life to take up the ability to allow God to speak through me. It's one of the hardest things in my life to, to lay down the fear that my weaknesses, even my history would become bigger, more powerful than what God can do through me. But what I experienced when I stepped out in obedience 
was this remarkable experience of an intimacy with God. What I experienced as a result of stepping out in faith and, and being used by God in that way was to be a leader for God's people, for God's purposes. What was so remarkable about that entire experience and why it was worth it is that in that journey, our journey was one that led from just a physical wandering to a physical destination. It became so much more than that. It was a spiritual journey. And though I got to the end of my life not making it into the promised land, it was an opportunity for me to speak to the nation of Israel on the cusp of them moving into Canaan, into the promised land, reminding them of who God is. And as Moses begins to share more and more, and again in this bonfire with the vantage point of all of eternity, we then hear Moses begin to point to one in the line of the nation of Israel. And Moses shares that because of God's faithfulness and using Moses and using Aaron, catching them and casting them free from the the net of Pharaoh as they were led out into the wilderness, ultimately to the promised land, that all of that journey from slavery to freedom is actually a foreshadow of a journey that each of us are on. We hear Moses share to us in the same way that the nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt and set free that, that every single human being has been enslaved by sin and that we are in need of rescue, that we are all in desperate need for freedom. And we hear Moses say that God hears our cries that God chooses to get involved and that God comes in the person of Jesus who was everything that Moses couldn't be, who Moses is sharing with us whose whole life pointed to. And in Jesus, we have an advocate. In Jesus, we have a prophet. In Jesus, we have a redeemer. In Jesus, we have the Passover lamb. In Jesus, we have our great rescuer. And Moses says that my whole life was, in a sense, a sign that pointed to the greatest rescue, the greatest exodus journey, the one from slavery to sin to freedom in Christ. And all of this life, is one in which we can ask God to be our redeemer, ask God to be our rescuer, ask God to be our leader and king. Was it worth it, Moses says? It was worth it for my personal experience. It was worth it for the nation of Israel, but it was worth it because it all led to Jesus Christ. And as the conversation around the bonfire goes on and on and on, we, we sit in this moment we reflect on the life of Moses. We hear the humanness of his journey. Perhaps there's things that you can relate to in his own life. Perhaps there's things in which as you hear him share his story of how God has called him to do a certain thing and yet it was fear 
that sometimes prevented him from stepping out and doing that. Perhaps there's something in your life that you can relate to. Again, right here, we're right around the bonfire. And that's the beauty of a bonfire. Sometimes in the midst of the conversations and the time that's spent that we begin to, to reflect on our own life. And just for a moment, I, you know, as a, as a pastor, I just want to invite you to ask that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you some of the things that God has called you to do. Maybe it's to, to speak a blessing over someone. Maybe it's to speak forgiveness to someone. Maybe it's to speak kindness to someone. Maybe it's to speak and I'm sorry to someone, but perhaps there's been a fear or something else that has gotten in the way. And my prayer is that you would, you would hear Moses' journey and that you would choose in this moment to say, Spirit of God, give me the ability to step out in faith like Moses did sometimes, not all the times, but would you give me that strength so that I can draw closer to you, so that I could be used by you, that your purposes could be accomplished through me that you would be able through the spirit to just reflect now wherever you are, whatever time zone you're in, no matter the state of the week that you've just had or what you're about to go into, that you would just pause and pray. God, what are you calling me to? How do you want to use me? What do you want to speak through me? What do you want me to take up? And then in that time of prayer that you would also say, Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, what are you calling me to lay down? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's laying down the need to feel like you're in control. Maybe it's laying down the need to have everything figured out before you take that first step of faith. Whatever that is, would you pray that God would give you the strength to lay that down so that you could take the very thing up that God longs for you to do, to say. And finally, would you just pray in this moment that you would ask God to reveal to you why it's worth it, why it's worth following Jesus, why it's worth putting your faith and trust in him, why it's worth stepping out and saying, here I am, Lord, send me, use me, equip me for your purposes. That you would hear the voice of Jesus who says, I have come and I have given you life and I give you life to the full. That you would hear the voice of Jesus who says there is nothing off creation that can separate you from the love of God. That you would hear the voice of Jesus who says that I who begin a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That you would hear the voice of Jesus who says that you are more than a conqueror in me, Jesus Christ. As the phrase is often used, God doesn't call those who are already equipped, but he equips those whom he calls. Would you see in Moses, not someone who is already equipped, but someone who simply was called by God in the same way that you were called by God? Would you see in him someone who didn't just respond perfectly from the beginning, but God continued to invite him, continued to call him, continued to equip him as he said yes, and would you find hope in your journey? Regardless of how many times you've said no in the past to God, regardless of how many times you've, you've backed away and God has used somebody else to accomplish God's purposes, regardless of that track record, would you step forward now and say yes? Into your hands, I want to place my life. God, would you be my mouth to speak to my family, my friends, my neighbors, and my coworkers? 
And so as we back away from the bonfire, still reflecting on this time that we just spent with Moses, hearing about his life, asking these questions and having him answer them in return, I can't help and I hope that we can't help begin to reflect on our own life. And as we kind of walk away together, the bonfire getting further and further, I think about my own story and how much I can see Moses' journey is paralleling my journey. You know, as a college student, for me, coming to Christ, volunteering in the high school ministry here at Bel Air Church over a number of months, the head of the high school ministry began to say to me things like, have you, Drew, have you ever thought about becoming a pastor? You know, and looking back, I really believe that that was God speaking to me through them. And you know what my answer was? Are you kidding me? No. I've never made that connection before, but I, in many ways, I was just like Moses. And as I spent more time and I, I worked for a summer up at Forest Home and in that high school ministry there, the head of the camp said the same thing to me. Have you ever thought about going into ministry? And I look back and I, and I realized that was God speaking through that person to me. You know what my response was then? No, are you No, 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 no. And I look back and I realize it was my fear of maybe my own past, uh, my own insecurities, my own weaknesses. I thought that those things were going to be more powerful than what God could do through me. And again, and again, and again, I uh, applied to Fuller Theological Seminary, not in the Masters of Divinity program. I applied to the School of Psychology to be a Christian therapist. And I went through the orientation week, and literally at the end of orientation week, the people in my group whom I had never met before said, Drew, you know, we're, we're listening to you talk and you share your, your story. And have you ever thought about going into ministry? And I'm like, who are these people? Why does everybody keep saying this to me? And I know looking back that God was speaking through them. And you know what my answer was? Maybe. It wasn't a yes. It was a Maybe. So I set up a meeting with the head of the School of Psychology. I shared with him my story. And he said, you should change your major right now. You should change schools right now from the School of Psychology, from a PhD in clinical psychology, and change it to a Master's of Divinity with an emphasis in pastoral counseling. And so that little maybe changed the course. I kept volunteering with the high school group. People kept on saying, have you ever considered ministry? And I started saying, maybe? And long story short, the head of the high school ministry ended up moving to another church and called me up and said, would you consider doing an interim to oversee the high school ministry as an interim just for a year? And I said, yeah, I could do that. And from the no's and the are you kidding me's that became the maybe's that became the yes. It enabled me to then get into ministry, to then become a pastor, 
to then have nine and a half years of pastoral ministry with high school students, with college students, with adults at another church, to then get to the place where someone whom was a high school student in the high school ministry at Bel Air when I was an interim, who was on the pastoral nominating committee, reached out to me and said, I'd love to have breakfast with you, who then said to me, I'm on the pastoral nominating committee, and it went right over my head of why we were meeting and he said, would you ever consider it? And I said, no, are you crazy? No, I'm not qualified for that. Just like Moses, back and forth, a no, a maybe, a yes, a no. And then he said, I just want you to pray about it. Well, here I am seven years into this role as the senior pastor of Beller Church because I finally, after praying about it, got to a, well, maybe, and my wife and I began praying about it, and it was a maybe that ultimately became, when given the opportunity, became a yes. And I stepped into this role with so much fear, with so much trepidation. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't call those who are already equipped. I wouldn't have been called to this, but he equips those whom God calls. What about you? Where are you in your journey right now? When God calls you and perhaps God's gonna use people in your life or maybe it's while reading scripture and you feel prompted by God to do a certain thing, is it gonna be a no? Is it gonna be a maybe? Is it gonna be a yes? I want you to know from personal experience and I want you to hear from the life of Moses that regardless of what your answer has been in the past, God doesn't stop asking you the question, will you do this? Will you be faithful in this? Will you follow me in this? And even if it's been a thousand no's, even if it's been a thousand maybes, he's gonna keep asking because he longs for you to say yes. And he longs for that moment in which you say yes, that he then equips you and gives you the words and gives you the strength and gives you the courage and gives you the humility to step out and do the thing that God longs for you to do. And for you to know if you've been saying yes to him in so many things, how quickly you can then come back to a maybe or how quickly you can come back to a no. And it's a great reminder that we can't rely on our yes track record for future responses, but that we have to come in humility, we have to come in faith, we have to come with courage to say yes again and again and again and again as Jesus invites us to follow him every day and everywhere with everyone. So friends, what is God calling you to take up? What is God asking you to lay down? And may you hear from his voice that it will be worth it as you draw closer to him, as you become more the person that God longs for you to be, as God uses you for God's purposes, as you experience the joy and the adventure of that. I look at my journey, it's been all over the place, but I'm thankful that God continues to invite. May you hear that invitation for yourself as well. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you continue to, to extend an invitation to us to follow you. As followers of you, you have more things for us to do and we long to be a church at work. So would we be about the work that you call us to do? 
And for some of us, we've not yet put our faith and trust in you, and yet you invite us to come to know you as Lord and Savior. And Jesus, I pray that through the power of your Spirit, you would give people the ability to simply say yes to you for the first time. That they would know in that moment that, that you begin a relationship with them, that you give them your Spirit, that you bring them out of darkness in your marvelous light, that you make them a new creation in you. Whether for the first time or the thousandth time, would we say yes to you, Jesus? We thank you for Moses, but we thank you most of all that Moses points to you, Jesus, our Redeemer, our King, our Rescuer, our Savior. It's in your name we pray. We sit together. Amen.